Tonight, we have an interesting guest with us who's living a life that I think many of us wish we could live. Today's guest has longed to travel the world and see all other places. He looked into van life and tiny homes, but found those to be out of his budget. Eventually, he converted the car in his garage and now is driven coast to coast a handful of times exploring our country along the way. He enjoys sharing his adventures on Instagram at speaking quite frankly and finds the most joy when he can inspire others to go out there and explore too. Just like we do here on Papa Bear Hikes. We want people to go out and explore and Frankie, Frank, welcome to Papa Bear Hikes and and thanks for giving up your time to come on here today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. So Frank, let's start by talking about what this what what this is you do you you have this nomadic life you're living in a you've made your own mobile home so let's start <laughs> with what that exactly is when we say you've you didn't go out and buy one of these hundred thousand dollar rigs you took something and you if I can best describe it built your own motorhome <laughs> in a way yes I I think in a nutshell it's essentially a teardrop camper that you can drive. Uh, so there's a place where I can lay down to sleep. Uh, I have a little food section, some uh, storage for clothing, and then I can drive it too. So it's really easy to get around in it. And so when you need to go to the store, you don't have to struggle to find a parking spot. You could pull in anywhere and just, you don't have to worry about where you park. You've got pl- plenty of parking spots to pull your, your vehicle into, uh, unlike people that have the traditional RVs. Uh, so... What started this? What, what was the inspiration to, to do this? Yeah, great question. So as you said in the intro, I was looking at YouTube and Instagram and seeing all these iconic places and just wanted to get out and see them. But then I was looking at how am I going to do that? And I didn't have $100,000 to invest in a Sprinter van. I don't have the construction skills to build something like that. I was thinking I could learn, but I didn't want to go into debt for it. And then I looked in my garage and I have a, uh, it's actually considered a compact car. So when you think of parking anywhere in a, in a supermarket parking lot, I can park just about in any space because it fits in some tiny spots and uh, it's a hatchback. And I do remember when I was buying the car, the salesperson told me that there was a uh, like little LED screen that I could use to watch movies if I ever wanted to go camping, which I kind of rolled my eyes at because I never really thought I'd be watching movies in my car while camping. But for whatever reason, I was thinking about buying the van and trying to get money for it. And I looked at my car and that memory came up and I was like, it all just clicked. And I said to myself, I wonder if I can live in this car. And at that point, I started looking around on YouTube and the internet to see if anyone had done it before. I couldn't really find any good car conversions. So I thought, hey, I'll just try it and see where it goes. So give us a bit of a description of this car that you sleep in. You travel in, you sleep in, you're living out of it. Tell us a little bit about what that 
what's in that, what that involves? Sure. It's pretty basic. So it's a Honda Fit, if I haven't said that yet. So what I do is I push the passenger seat all the way up. If I have someone with me, which I've actually slept two in this vehicle, um, I can push the driver's seat up as well. And then I have a foam mattress I got on Amazon that basically lays out across the entire back. So the uh, back seat lays down, of course, and then um, the mattress stretches all the way to the front. Um, and then from there, you can stretch out. You can sleep on a diagonal if you really want to stretch out, which is really nice. And then where the uh, like your feet would go if you were in the back seat, I have a duffel bag with all my clothing. And then I basically have two tubs that are, I don't know, maybe uh, 12 by 10 uh, each. And that has all my food and all of my like cooking and hiking gear inside. So to do this, you really need to be organized. You can't be a slob, right? You have to really give thought to how am I going to store my stuff? So I, so not only can I find it, but I'm not rolling over on top of it every night when I go to sleep or tripping over it every day when I get out. Yeah, basically I clean the, I call it a van, even though it's a car. So I clean my van probably four or five times a day. Uh, it's nice because it's a pretty small space. So that makes it pretty easy. And everything is kind of in a bag by its um, use. Kind of like if you're backpacking, you have like your sleep system and your kitchen, your cooking system and, and whatnot. I'm very similar. So it's like when I am done sleeping, my sleep system gets packed up and thrown in a like a deep pocket till the next night and the cook, like the kitchen system comes out. And so you're always kind of moving things around and keeping it organized while you're out there. Now I watched your YouTube, which I highly recommend everybody visit. And the YouTube is Frank speaking quite frankly, and you give a tour of your, of your, of your van. Yes. Yeah. And that's also linked on my Instagram bio. Um, and I just was trying to make it easy to explain to people because I think it's hard for, to conceptualize what a car camper would look like. And it's hard to take like one picture of it for Instagram, which is the main platform I was using. And so I filmed that quick video and it's on there and gives you a pretty in-depth tour of how uh, I do it and how you can do it yourself. And before we go any further, I, I gave everybody the YouTube channel. How can we find you on Instagram? Yeah. So my Instagram is just speaking quite frankly. And uh, you'll find me there and, and all of my other information is linked in the bio. Now back to the, your setup. As a backpacker, I couldn't help but notice that when you were describing your food setup, much of your cooking gear resembles, and even the food you eat, what a backpacker would pack. The, the size of the gear, the size of your stove, did that play into this whole scenario of I need – I'm. I've got to optimize my space as best I can, or are you just a backpacker and thought, okay, I'm going to use this because I own it. Yeah, both. And I think most people I know have somebody in their life that has some old backpacking gear in a basement or closet or something. And so that's where I started is I just looked in my closet and thought, what do I have that I can use? Um, because I didn't want to go out and just spend a bunch of money and, you know, Initially, like the Coleman stove looked really nice. It's obviously a lot bigger, um, but I had a little backpacking stove from a backpacking trip I did a few years back with some friends, and I thought this will work. And so I threw it in there, 
And sure enough, like that worked. And um, then you start accumulating things. So I've gone backpacking now a few more times and just started accumulating more gear, more expensive gear and um, smaller gear. And so that has definitely helped with um, getting by and getting the um, keeping everything small. So I have space for myself. Right. So for a packing efficiency purpose and financially, you're dual purposing your, your gear, the same stove you would take backpacking. You're able to cook your meals out of the back of your van with. Absolutely. I've always been a little bit more minimalistic and so I think that's just by nature, it's super easy to do it that way. Also on YouTube, you show us what measures you take to maintain some privacy uh, and even to keep bugs from getting in when you need to roll the, down, the windows down to get some ventilation in. I thought that was creative what you did. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So the first thing I did and probably the most expensive part of the entire build was I got the uh, window covers for my car. I, f- I forget the exact name of it, but it's like a rain guard. So you can crack your window a little bit in the rain and it doesn't come into your car. And so you can purchase those from uh, the dealership. And I don't know, I don't remember exactly how much they cost, but they were a little bit more. So I can always crack my windows, but then I also wanted to be able to have good ventilation in case there are bugs coming in. And so there's this, um, it's actually like a, a uh, sun shield for if you have like a, a kid in the in the back seat and you want to like block the sun from them um, and you just slip it right over the door and it's kind of this mesh uh, and it keeps the sun out kind of darkens the window a little bit but also will keep any bugs out and so uh, that's been really helpful on those hot days and hot climates where I can just roll the windows right down and not have to deal with any bugs and have a little bit, bit of privacy as well. So every project has its successes and failures. <laughs> so let's start with uh, the positive here. What worked for you? What were the things that you felt worked best for you? Yeah. So in relation to the build, I think as we talked about, like all those pieces that just kind of um, I already had that clicked in super well and was just super, um, everything worked great. Also, anytime I go out and um, I have a plan and everything works. So being in a Honda Fit, I can't do a lot of wet dirt roads. Um, but there's times where I have a campsite in mind and and the road is paved all the way to the campsite. You pull right in and you're good to sleep. You don't have to do any setup at that point. You don't have to like, get out and set up a tent and that sort of thing. And so I'd say that was definitely in regards to the build, some of my my bigger wins. Okay, now let's talk about the not so pleasant side of it. <laughs> What, what sure. were some of the things that didn't work? What were, what were some of the failures, if you will? Oh, man, the list, it just goes on and on. So I think, for one, that there's some times where it has been just cold. Um, I have a zero-degree bag, but I've I've slept in negative two in that car. And even with a zero-degree bag, maybe, maybe I needed more layers. I don't know. But I was very cold in the back of that. Um, and then you have the exact opposite where you have the extreme heat. And so there's been times I'm in real humid climates. Um, I remember a trip to Arkansas and it was just, it was just miserable bugs everywhere. So you have to have the screens on, but it doesn't matter. I mean, it's still 80 degrees and dark and humid and, and uh, the car is getting foggy and everything is damp and you're just trying to sleep and you're just thinking, 
why am I doing this again? How can I get an air conditioner in this thing? Um, but at the end, it's always worth it. Sounds like the same challengers backpackers have, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know what's worse if, if I'm too cold or if I'm too hot. <laughs> it's, but yeah. there's, you know, we, always have, we always have those times where we're saying, why am I doing this? Why am I not right. in a hotel or in the comfort of my own bed? Yep. Yeah, there's those moments where you look back at it and you're like, was I having fun? I don't really think so. Like it wasn't fun in the moment and even thinking about it isn't fun. Uh, but then you also have those huge wins where you wake up and, um, you know, you step out of your tent or in my case, out of my car and the view is just incredible. And you just think, I can't believe that I get to wake up and see this, uh, kind of like place. Or, uh, there was one time, uh, I was driving through the Tetons and the sun was just setting perfectly over a lake and I was planning to go somewhere else, but I just real quick, um, skirted over to the side of the road, opened up the back of the car and made myself some hot chocolate and just sat there and watched the sunset because, um, similar to backpacking, I have everything I need right there with me. I just recently interviewed a backpacker and we, we shared those similar experiences, right? Th- those hard times, those the blit, whether it's the blisters or the restless night's sleep because you were too cold or too hot, they can go away if you wake up or, or later that day, you're at this awesome view or just, you know, come across this spring or, or, or mountain that you just say, wow, this is beautiful. You can forget about those ba- those harder times much easier. Yeah, you definitely get to have the payoff from your hard work. And so when you get those, your payday and you're out there enjoying like a, a great view and, and um, you know, some good friends, good memories, it's, it's always worth it. It makes it, makes it a great time. Yeah. You live a nomadic lifestyle and you're traveling all over the place. How do you keep food on the table and gas in the tank? <laughs> Great question. I get asked this a lot. So when I was getting started, I was going more on just like weekend adventures, holidays, really just taking advantage of the time I had off. And then my job became more and more flexible. A lot of people today now get to work from home. uh, And so I just took advantage of that and I would work from the road. My favorite spot was there is, if you know, Hanksville, Utah, it's kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And I was in a dirt parking lot and I connected to um, the internet through my phone and was working from the parking lot. So working remote, taking advantage of holidays. Um, But then I also have diversified my income. So I have a house that I rent out. And then um, I started a Instagram marketing company. And so I will market for other businesses and help them grow their uh, Instagram accounts. And so all these things are things I can do from the road. And I just, um, yeah, find creative ways to do that. And then also, of course, living cheaply, um, which maybe cheap has a negative connotation. So maybe I should use a more frugally or investing where it matters would probably be the best way to put it. So, you know, I don't always get to go out for a steak dinner, but like you said earlier, it's like sometimes I get to wake up and have a million dollar view and it was free. So um, just knowing what I want to invest in always helps. Yeah. It's a combination of there's trade-offs and what are your priorities in life? And exactly. I think that's what it comes down to. Frank, if somebody wanted to employ your services, should they just go to your Instagram? Yeah. If they're interested in it, ma'am, Instagram speaking quite frankly is the best place right now 
Um, I'm working on everything else. It's basically uh, the the term building the plane while I fly it is exactly what's happening right now. I'm actually not sure if it's going to become a submarine, but I'm flying it right now, um, just getting it off the ground. And so I'm working with four different brands and I don't have like a website or anything official yet, but, um, you know, have an official business and it's officially uh, registered with the state and everything. So feel free to reach out to me on Instagram and we can talk about uh, what I can do to help you guys out. And I really wish you the best of luck with that because you're just, I, it helps you support this lifestyle. You're making a choice not to live in the multi-million dollar man, man, uh, mansion and drive the big car. And when people support you, they're, you know, you're, you're not, you know, you're looking just to live a lifestyle that you want, not anything complicated. I, I, I think it's great. That. And that's why I love this. You know, I'm encouraging people. If you need these services, please, check Frank's Instagram page out. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I think it's, it's fun when, when all the resources can stay in the family, so to speak. And yeah. one of the things I decided this year was I really wanted to help other people win so much about our world today is about ourselves and, and really pushing up ourselves, our own platforms, our own story, our own finances. Um, but I was thinking, you know, how could I partner with someone else who hikes or another outdoor brand and help them win when how can I in, like grow their Instagram so that they can have a platform and a voice and so that's where uh, I got started on this company and where it's it's um, been really fun to to see that other people thrive through it I think we can learn a lot from that we all can that sense of community and it's you know this we can move away from this me first mentality right if we all work together we can all move forward and we can all do better. Uh, I, I really like that. Now let's get on the topic of interesting places and where we can op be opening up a can of worms here uh, because before we started the interview, you informed me you're in Texas. And as we're speaking, Texas is going through an historical weather occurrence, right? There's a blizzard in the state of Texas right now. So what is that like? Give us a, give us a brief <laughs> summarize. You go to Texas, it's, as I'm speaking to all of you, it's February and Frank's in Texas, not exactly living a February type lifestyle in Texas one would expect. Yeah, you would think Texas would be pretty warm year round, but we are going through one of those once in a century crazy things where we've had snow on the ground for almost a full week now, uh, which most people in Texas have never seen snow. So I'm fortunate to have a home base that's indoors with heat so I've been good, but there's been rolling blackouts. And um, that's really been the, the major issue is the the power uh, grid, just having issues there. But um, yeah, it's just been a really interesting situation where basically anything in the South is not built for harsh conditions. And so the grid has just kind of, from what I understand, I'm not an expert. I'm a guy who lives in a car, uh, hasn't been able to keep up with it. So we get 25% approximately of our electricity from wind energy. And the wind turbines down here are not built to withstand these freezing temperatures. So just like that, 25% of the power for the state just got turned off. And then they had power on reserve and batteries but the batteries weren't able to keep up with the cold conditions. So again, just like that, 60% of what was stored just went away. Where, you know, in northern um, states, 
they build these differently so that they were able to maintain the power. Then one fourth of the nuclear got taken down because of the cold. And then um, natural gas was in low supply this year or something like that. And so basically every single place we get power gets shut down. So then people are living without power, which in Texas, a lot of people don't even have fireplaces. So they have no source of heat. And then our pipes aren't built to withstand the temperature. So now we're having pipes burst left and right. And it's just like you're looking around thinking, how many once in a lifetime things do I have to live through this year? Um, and yeah, so we're just in the middle of it, but I'm really grateful because like I said, I have an indoor place, we have power and um, yeah, we've been, we've been fine. So just really hoping that everyone stays safe and warm and is able to get through this. Yeah, being a traveler over the last 12 months, you've seen a lot, right? There's, there's been a lot of once in a lifetime or I've never seen this before occurrences and now here you are right in the middle of another one so uh, but next yeah, interesting places so we're gonna i'm gonna break this down into two categories one places you've interesting places you've visited but first i want interesting places you've had to spend the night in your car <laughs> oh that's great that's really good so actually this probably could go on under uh failures so the first one that comes to mind is the only time I've had someone ask me to leave a parking space and I really broke every rule, but I was desperate. So I was in California this summer and of course COVID's going on. And so I was planning to go to a state park and didn't realize that it was closed because of COVID. So I wasn't able to camp there. So I leave the state park and I go uh, to like a city and I was going to stay in a hotel because I was just so desperate. and. Uh, then I noticed that there was like some, uh, protests that were getting planned in the area and, and a lot of unrest. It didn't look like it was going to be peaceful and I just didn't feel safe there. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to go find another spot. And really it got, was getting late and it was getting desperate. And I just needed a place to sleep. And so I pulled into a church parking lot and there's no one parked there. And I was just like, okay, I'm going to sleep here. And I'll leave in the morning. It'll be fine. Well, at like 7 a.m., the pastor's at my my window like, hey, is everything okay? Um, you know, you need a, you need like a warm meal or anything? I'm like, no, I'm okay. I'm just sorry. I, I, uh, I got desperate and had to sleep here. Uh, so I'd say that's probably the worst uh, one. But then also you have your, your times where you're just in a Walmart parking lot or something. You talk to the um, manager, make sure they're okay with you staying there the night. And it's not the most glamorous uh, places. So yeah, there's definitely a lot of those, um, those times where you're in a, a parking lot or, or something that's not what you see on Instagram necessarily. Right. You have to be willing to think outside the box because you're not always going to get to a state campground or a federal Park, a state, uh, national park. You're going to have to be willing, like I said, to maybe just spend a night in a Walmart parking lot, and uh, that's the less glamorous right. side of it. But it's also part of that lifestyle, right? And like I said, you know, when you're doing that, definitely check with your local restrictions and everything. I mean, the time I got caught, like I said, there was no one there, and I didn't ask anyone. I was, I was just like, I have to. But typically, I'll make sure it's like I'm allowed to stay there. But it's definitely not as glamorous as as it looks. So now let's move on to the interesting places you have visited. 
Sure. So I think one of my, what I love most about travel is there's so many places that I don't expect to be awesome. And then I get there and there's something that, and that surprises me that I haven't seen before or the way that the sun is hitting something. It just looks totally different um, than what I was expecting. And so one of my favorite campsites is uh, it's called Goosenecks State Park in Utah. And it just, you get to camp right at the edge of the cliff. And so basically I could sit there and have my, sit in my car and my legs are dangling off the edge of this cliff and you're just looking down there's this river below and um, the way the river carved out the rocks, it's like an S curve. So you're just looking at this beautiful landscape and then, um, you know, the sun's, you get to watch the sun go down and then just lay back and go right to sleep. So that'd be one of my uh, top places. And then from there, uh, the first time I cried just because of the outdoors was driving into Zion National Park. Again, it had it had just rained. Uh, I came in the I think it was the east side of the park, if anyone's been there before and kind of knows that area. So everything's just like radiating because after the rain, it's all like just wet rock. And so the way the sun is shining on it and you're just looking at it and like every curve is that you're turning on this road is so different and unique and the rock formations are things I've never seen before. It's like my emotions took over and I just didn't know how to react to it. And so all that happens is next thing I know I'm like crying. I'm like, I don't know why I'm crying. It's just so beautiful out here. Living this lifestyle, do you feel like you've gained a greater appreciation for not just nature or I don't know if this is either or, but nature and life and living life in general? Yeah. Absolutely. And I would say one of the coolest things about this is just the people that you meet out on the roads. I mean, you know, you'd you think, well, it's pretty isolating, which is true. You're by yourself quite a bit. But then there's times on trail where, you know, I'll meet someone and we'll strike up a conversation and, and talk for hours. And so you meet some of the most interesting and fun people uh, traveling this way, which has really given me a, a greater appreciation for just the world in general. We'll be back after a quick break. You ever think about what might be in the water you're drinking every time you fill up your water bottles while you're in the outdoors? I try not to, and I really don't because I use Sawyer water filters. Sawyer filter technology, because of their high standards, every filter is individually tested three times through the process. I've been using the permethrin product for years now to protect me from, well, quite frankly, ticks and the picaridin to keep the flies at bay. Don't let bad water, insects, or a tick bite cut your trip short or even ruin it. Use Sawyer products. Go to your local outdoor retailer and ask for Sawyer products, whether it's a water filter, insect repellent, they'll likely to have it. You can also go to Sawyer's website and read more about these incredible, high-quality products that they offer for those of us who enjoy the outdoors. So, Frank, what's next for you? After you, yep. after you pack up and leave Texas, do you have like an itinerary? I mean, how far out do you think about this? And, you know, so let's start with, you know, what's an immediate next, what's coming up immediately. Let's, let's start with that. Yeah. So I like to go where the tours aren't. Um, so I know that there's some really beautiful places and I try to get there on the off season. 
So I'm hoping to get over to Death Valley in California, hopefully this winter. I know it gets cold there, but it's going to feel like it's going to feel like a beach vacation compared to where I'm at right now. Not likely to be any snow there. (laughs) Right. Right. I think they do get snow like higher up, but it's going to be like a low of 30, which is a lot better than five. So (laughs) I'll take it. Um, I also am hoping to get into Havasu uh, Falls, Havasu Creek. Right now it's still shut down because it's on a a reservation and and, uh, with all the COVID restrictions. So I'm keeping an eye on that. And then uh, also International has opened up. And there's a lot of countries that rely on U.S. tourism. And so I've been looking into that because, you know, obviously being COVID safe is top priority. You don't want to hurt anyone or hurt yourself. And so I'm looking at places that with the restrictions in place, if I I can follow them and still have a good time in country. So I've been poking my nose around and looking at flights for some, some international travel as well. Far, how far out do you plan your, your trips? I mean, does it pretty much by the seat of your pants or do you say, okay, <laughs> next week or next month I'm going to do this? I mean, it sounds like you're, you're looking into the idea of traveling international, but routinely, how, yeah. do, how, how do you go about planning things? That's a, a good question. I think if it's over five hours, it's going to be planned probably a month out. But anything that's less than a five hour drive, I'll just do sporadically. You know, I'll just say, I'm going to drive out to the state park that's across Texas, or I'm going to, you know, go. Um, I went to Moab on a whim because I was in Denver and that's a five hour drive. And I just said, you know, it's not that far. I'm going to go check it out. So yeah, that I'm pretty good with. But then if it's over a five hour drive, it's usually about a month or so out. And what I'll do is I'll usually have like a key point in mind, like I said, Death Valley. and then because it's a road trip and it's there's so much to see in this nation you can start like getting out a map and and using your tools and and different resources and just looking up like different local oddities that you can go visit and and little places that you can explore on the way and uh you know I'll I'll plan out a trip based on how many days I have and just add a whole list of things I want to do on the way and it's um it's been a really fun way to really experience the different cultures and, and uh, places we have in this country. What kind of reactions do you get from people when you're out on the road and you tell them what you're doing? When you say, you know, where do you live? Well, right over there in that car. Yeah, I'd say most people are really interested in it and, um, you know, really supportive. Of course, I'm usually in outdoor places where you'll see people living in um, RVs and vans all the time. And so, um, yeah, I'd say most people are super supportive and totally positive reactions. If anyone has a negative reaction, I don't think they've said anything to me and they don't have to, they can kind of stay over there and continue with their negative <laughs> reaction. They're, they're, they're sitting over there being envious. <laughs> so I wish yeah, I could be doing that. I'm pretty <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny because I used to like, I think I realized it, uh, a few weeks ago where I used to be that person who would say, you know, I wish, I wish, I wish I could do all these things. And then I just started and I grew and, you know, did longer and longer trips. And now I have people telling me, I wish I could be more like you. And I'm like, wait, like what's like, when did this happen? When did I go from being the person <laughs> sitting on the couch 
wishing I was out there to being the person that's encouraging other people to go. And I don't know when that switch happened, but I'm, I'm really glad it did. As you know, you're not alone, right? A lot of people are thinking, wow, I'd really like to see the country. I can't afford hundreds of thousands of dollars for an RV or even a hundred thousand dollars for a conversion van. They, they can cost that much. So what advice would you give that person? You know, you've talked about what you have done, but if you could say something to that person that really wants to live that nomadic lifestyle, but can't afford the vehicle to do so, what would you say to them? I would say my first time in the, in the car overnight, I took, I have a memory foam mattress topper on top of my mattress at home. I took that and threw it in the back of my car and it was not very comfortable, but I slept on that. I had nothing to cook with and I just basically ate granola bars the whole weekend and did a one night overnight at a state park that was maybe 45 minutes from my house. And I learned a lot. It was miserable at times and it was awesome at times. And I saw some pretty incredible things that I didn't even know existed. So I would say just go for it, go small, you know, have a plan, but you don't need a lot. Um, you don't need to go big on your first trip and also appreciate the little things you have locally. Look up state parks in your area before you go out to the big like Grand Tetons and all the stuff in Utah that you see on Instagram and car commercials and, and all those iconic places there's probably a lot right in your backyard that you might not even know about. So I'd say go there first and then you'll slowly, you know, gain the confidence and realize how easy it is to go to the farther places. All right. Take your time, learn what, cause everybody has different comfort levels, learn what works for you and build upon that. And that's, I like that. That's good advice. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, you get on, online and it looks like you have to buy an $8 frozen meal for every meal out. And you know, that cost adds up pretty quick where now I'll eat a frozen meal maybe once a week, but then I've created my own recipes with uh, tuna packets and, and other various items that I can eat for $1.50 and uh, maintain the lifestyle. And these are skills you've picked up along the way, right? You just keep fine tuning your methods and your approaches and yep. that, that's and something will probably continue to go on. Right. And I mean, and it's, it's preference too, because I do talk to people that say, I could never eat a tuna packet for dinner. I need, I need to go out, you know, and it's, Hey, if you want to, that's fine, but I can afford to do this because I'm finding uh, frugal ways to eat so I can go out more times. So it's all, you know, your own preference. And I mean, it's your own adventure. So live it. Frank, thanks so much for agreeing to come on Papa Bear Hikes. Uh, before we finish up here, why don't you give us a plug again for your Instagram and any other social media you might want to tell us about. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me on. It's been really inspiring to um, to chat with you. So you can see my adventures on Instagram at speaking quite frankly. And everything else is linked there in the bio. I really focus solely on Instagram and haven't really ventured into the other platforms yet. Um, but that'd be the best spot. And if you're interested in any uh, social media management or marketing, uh, you can also contact me there at speaking quite frankly. Frank, thanks again. Uh, safe travels and hopefully we'll talk soon. Sounds great. Thanks for listening. 
If you like this podcast, please feel free to leave a review. If you found it helpful or useful or just entertaining, let us know. We can be contacted at PapaBearHikes at gmail.com or check us out at PapaBearHikes01 on Instagram. Thanks for listening. Get outside and have a great day. This episode of Pop Bear Hikes has been brought to you by Avalon Publicity. Avalon Publicity, increasing the digital footprint of content creators and skilled professionals via website development and social media services. For more information about Avalon Publicity, go to their website, avalonbusiness.org. That's avalonbusiness.org.